covered his face with twain. He covered his feet and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then threw one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Will you go then to Matthew chapter 27, please? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. And just a couple or a few verses. Verse 33. Matthew 27, verse 33. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. And set up over his head the, his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were two thieves crucified with him, the one on the right hand and another on the left. Now, will you go with me to the book of Revelation, please, of Jesus Christ? Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, please. Just another few verses from verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us pray. Father, we ask you to now take your word and wing it to each and every heart. We ask you, God, that you would help me to speak well of your Son and that thy Spirit would anoint me with fresh oil. And, O oh God, that you would anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. And, Father, we pray, Lord, tonight that you would speak loud and clear to each and every one of us, building up your people upon their most holy faith, drawing men and women to Christ if they know him not. Glorify your Son, we ask it. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 6, we have the Lord on his throne. Matthew 27, we have the Son on a cross, his horse. In Revelation 19, we have a king on his horse. Isaiah 6 says, before he comes to earth. Matthew 27 is when he came to earth. And of course, Revelation 19 is when he comes back again to earth. And Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Notice what the prophet said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also. Notice the word also. Something that happened, but also this happened. I saw the Lord. Isaiah's vision of the Lord was marked by a serious happening. A grand event had happened in Judah. That is the house, the kingdom of Judah. And then as the king Uzziah was sitting in Jerusalem, he had passed away and he had died. And hence the prophet writes, in the year that king Uzziah died, The name Uzziah means my strength is in Yah or Yahweh or Jehovah. My strength, in other words, God is my strength. Or it can mean power of God. And so this king, King Uzziah, was a righteous king. We're told that throughout it he'd done good works and good deeds unto the Lord and how he kept the faith in Israel. Notice the seriousness of this event in Isaiah's life marked this man. It marked the prophet and many in the kingdom of Judah. And something it caused Isaiah to do was to admit his dependence on an earthly monarch. His dependence was on an earthly monarch. In other words, he looked to Isaiah for protection because Uzziah, pardon me, for protection, because Uzziah was the one set upon the anointed throne of Jehovah in Jerusalem. And hence, depending on the kings, the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, they were all wicked. And God took them away and scattered them. Now the kingdom of Judah, some were wicked, some were good. Hezekiah was a good king. Jehoshaphat, we have here, Uzziah, all done good for the Lord. But Isaiah the prophet, at this point, he's a priest in Judah. He's a priest in the temple. And has believed it because it says that his vision was in the temple. The train filled, the train of the Lord, the glory of God filled the temple. And of course, the altar is made known in verse 6, one of the seraphims flew of the seraphims unto me, then flew, pardon me, one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off the altar. So many believe this vision happened in his priestly duties while he was in the very temple in Jerusalem. But notice this, Isaiah. Isaiah had his dependence on an earthly monarch. 
but the earthly monarch was removed by Almighty God. Uzziah was taken away. In other words, this scene of time in which he was in, Isaiah was in and Uzziah was in, was now passing. A new realm was happening in Judah. A new king would be happening, coming on the throne. And Uzziah was being taken away by the Lord. He was removed when his life left the scene of time and Uzziah died. I want you to notice something here now and take note of this. Although Uzziah was a good king in Judah, although Uzziah was a godly king in Jerusalem, although Uzziah was a good and a godly king in the ways of the Lord, and even according to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it says of him, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding. Notice, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So this man, although he left the legacy behind him, and although this was a testimony for Judah and Jerusalem, and although it was a great witness in his life, Uzziah was still a son of dust. Uzziah was still a son of dust. And he died. It doesn't matter how anointed a man or a woman is. It doesn't matter the deeds they do and the exploits for their God. All of us should Christ tarry. We're all sons and daughters of dust. And we will all go the same way of our fathers. Such did Uzziah. And now Isaiah is looking and realizing that which was his stay, his security, had now left him. Uzziah was an encourager. He was a leader of the faith. He was a protector. He was a defender of the faith. He was a director. He was an example of the faith. But he went the way of all flesh, and he died. Here's what I've written in the top of the page. Don't be too discouraged at a seeming loss in your life. God has something in the next part. Why is it that we can be so discouraged? If you get discouraged, uh, look at your neighbor beside you, your person behind you, in front of you. We all get discouraged. Does the pastor get discouraged? Absolutely. Absolutely he does. But my strength is not in an earthly monarch, nor is my glorying in an earthly monarch, but mine is in a heavenly monarch and in the Christ of God. And what happens when you get discouraged? Don't get too discouraged. I know there's times in there heartbreaking for us, but sometimes we get discouraged over the slightest of matters. And over the least of issues, realize with perspective there is always another chance 
with God. There's always another turn with him. For example, in Romans 8 and verse 28, the apostle Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How does God work good out of things that are so bad? How does God work good out of things that are so troublesome and tiring? How is it that God does these things? I don't know. But all I know is that God makes it happen. The words here to work together for the good is the word synergio. And listen to what it means. It means to work with, to help one. It gives the idea to place or to co-labor with, to cooperate alongside of. So in all things, God works together for the good. God is at work bringing all things along like in a symphony and a synergy together. Synergio means to work alongside of. Let me give you another example. In Mark chapter 16, when Christ was risen from the dead and ascended to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit to the apostles and to the early church, it says of the apostles, and they went forth and preached everything, the Lord working with them. And the term working with them is the exact same term Paul uses in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 for the words working together. All things work together, synergio. And of course, the Lord working with them, synergio. Let me just strengthen this word for another moment as well. All things work together for the good to them who are the called, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The word purpose is the word prothesis. Prothesis. It gives the idea to set a thing forth and to arrange in an order. To set a thing forth and to arrange in an order. And in and, and the book of Hebrews 9 and verse 2, it speaks of the showbread in the temple at the altar where they took 12 loaves of bread and put it into two rows, six along this way and six along beside it. They were organized and set in order that the Lord would look upon the loaves of bread. They showbread, it spoke of the 12 tribes and the children of Israel. And it's the exact same idea. Prothesis, set in order. And what this is saying is that God has a purpose where he sets things in order. So the things that you and I are concerned about, discouraged over there's a certain couple of things I was talking to even Alison this afternoon about, discouraged about, discouraged about. I just mentioned it to her briefly. I didn't go into it. And I just discouraged about certain things and certain issues and certain people and, uh, and how they are or what they're not doing or, or whatever. And you're discouraged about them. But I have to believe that God is working all things out for the good. We have to believe that in your life and in my life and in the assembly that and wherever it is that God is always sovereign and in control and he is laying, as it were, like the shoe bread. He is laying us out in order, laying your life out in order and my life out in order, laying our church fellowship out in order as well. 
And hence we're told that God will make all things work together for the good. Ephesians 1 and verse 11. Listen to what the apostle says. In whom that is in Christ also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him. It's the same word, prothesis. The purpose of him who worketh after the counsel of his own will. God is setting things out in order like the showbread. God is setting your life out in order like the showbread. People to come alongside you or people to be drawn away from you. In churches, we used to always sit and talk about God's blessed addition. How God adds and blesses and adds and adds. And it's good to see people adding. But sometimes there's a blessed subtraction. And there may be a blessed subtraction in your life. And sometimes we mourn over it and we grieve over it. We worry about it. We get concerned about it. But if God has removed them from your life, if God has removed the thing or it from your life, then brothers and sisters and friends, don't chase after it to bring it back in again. God's purpose, his prothesis, is that he sets things in order. He sets things in order. Don't be discouraged at a seeming loss in your life. Listen to Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. The Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, if you were to see the horizon where the sky meets the sea and keep on sailing out, will you ever reach the end of it? The answer is no. It's always a part, the same, isn't it? You think no matter how far you're going to travel, that you're going to get to this little point. It's like a wedge end that you'll come to the end of. But the Word of God says that God's thoughts are higher like that. His ways are higher than our ways. Higher than all of us. King Uzziah dies And Isaiah's stability is somewhat shaken. I'm going to say it again for you. King Uzziah dies. And Isaiah's stability is somewhat shaken. There's things in our lives and it shakes us to the core. Shakes us to the very heart of things. The whole heart of the matter, it shakes us. And Isaiah, with his whole heart, trust as it were his whole uh, protection and his courage was in Uzziah he was a priest but God was about to make him a prophet so you and I don't know what's around the corner what God has in store for you when he's taken something or someone away from you the blessing will come all we need to do is to wait on it I'm aware that even up to last week we have buried uh, loved ones, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of the hurt. I'm aware of the pain. I'm aware of the, the heartache of it. But I can also tell you that things do get better. Things do get better. There are those who buried 
their loved one just last week and they're here tonight and we want to say you're in our prayers and in our thoughts. And I can tell you things will get better. And even though some are moved out of the road and God takes them home or whatever way they go, God will always bring the blessing. Look for the blessing and wait on the Lord. Isaiah's death brings a greater revelation to Isaiah. Uzziah's death brings a greater revelation to Isaiah. A clearer vision of the Lord comes. Now think about this. He's a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. And a greater vision comes of the Lord when the king in Jerusalem dies. Isaiah's always thinking, you know, why Uzziah's here? Well, you know, it's going to be good. And Uzziah's a good king and he sets up the worship and he makes sure uh, that if you want the civil governmental authority that the, the, if I can call it, the church is looked after. That's what our government's meant to do, by the way. Instead, they do the opposite. And I can see him in his eyes, well, as long as Uzziah's here, as long as Uzziah's here, and suddenly Uzziah's gone, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Take note of this, brothers and sisters. Sometimes God removes that you might see him more clearly. That your faith will be between you and him, not Isaiah and Uzziah, but Isaiah and the Lord. And the Lord is going to make provision and the Lord will make a way where he will be the blessing rather than looking to an earthly monarch and king for it. God may have to remove something, someone in your life in order for you to fix your eyes on him with a clearer view and a perfect gaze. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, he says, saw also the Lord. I saw also the Lord. In order that you might know, you might know him more deeply and more intimately. Take note. It's good that an earthly, godly encouragement was on hand in Uzziah for the nation and for the prophet to come. It's good that you have godly influence in your life if you have it. I didn't. I didn't. I came from a nominal Protestant home, unsaved, no knowledge of God, thrown out to Sunday school to give my parents' heads peace. And plus I like to go because the brethren give you sweeties after it. Knew nothing about salvation, absolutely nothing. Never went to the meetings, never went to church after I was a child. But if you have, a, have or had an, a, a, an earthly encouragement in the Lord, then that is something of a foundation for you to stand on. But it's something for you to leave behind as well. 
Isaiah dies and he's removed. And Isaiah sees the true king. And he sees him on his throne. He's seen the throne in Jerusalem and the king on it. He's seen the throne in Jerusalem and Uzziah on it. And the, to that he looked. To that he looked. But now he sees the king of heaven. And he sees the king of heaven on his throne. What a vision. What a view. Remember this. Because of light pollution, we can miss the glory of the stars. Because of light pollution, we can miss the glory of the stars. I didn't realize growing up in Belfast, there were so many stars in the sky till I came one night to the country. I came to the, the uttermost end of the earth, the uttermost part of the earth, the Donna Cloney, and just outside it. And there, going to Allison, just pick Allison up at the house, and outside there was no lights, no street lights. Imagine that in a country road, eh? What's wrong with you people? You can't have street lights down the country roads. And I walked out. I went in, it was light in the house, and I walked out, and it was dark, and I couldn't have told you there was a footpath or I was going to drop off the end of the world. I didn't know where I was. Could see nothing. And I was walking out, and I guess going up the path. And that's, and that's the truth. And that's the truth. But I've seen all of these stars, and I, I remember going, Wow. Because the light pollution did not allow me, growing up all those years, to see the truth of what was there. Uzziah was the light pollution. Uzziah was Isaiah's light pollution. But when he went, he saw, as it were, the glory. He says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne. So in Isaiah 6 and 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I'm not sure whether it's a full year. Was it a week, a day? Was it a, a few days, a month, a couple of months, 10 months, 11 months? We don't know uh, uh, the period of time, but it was in that year that King Uzziah died. In other words, uh, he, he didn't see right away. In other words, the blessing of knowing the Lord didn't come right away. Sometimes we say, Lord, when is this going to end and you're going to show the, the glory of yourself in this? When is the, that which you, 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 you bring and you lay out all in order like the showbread? When is that going to happen for me? When will that happen in my life? We don't, and we can't, we can't understand because one day seems to follow into the next and after that there's so many. But it was somewhere in this year that suddenly... While he's ministering and trying to get on with it, think about it, Uzziah has died and the next king to come, if he isn't a godly king, if he's influenced by other leaders, if his heart isn't toward God, then Judah is in a terrible state altogether. Ungodliness comes and usually it hits the temple first and guess who'll be the first to be executed? I think of the den hour where we are this evening where Queen Elizabeth, her platinum 
Jubilee, as we know, is everywhere at the moment. 70 years. I have to say that although I'm a, a, a royalist at heart, she's not my, she might be an earthly monarch, but she's not my hope, she's not my glory, she's not who I trust in. And I can tell you this though, there are many things that she has even sanctioned and done by royal assent that I am deeply ashamed of. Deeply ashamed of. And yet she promises to be the defender of the faith. She has just sent a royal assent for abortion. Signed it. She signs a royal assent for gay marriage in the in the nation. Isaiah died. We don't know how long in this year it was, but God may test your patience. God may prove your faithfulness before he approves your promotion and reveals himself more unto you. Do you know the number 70 is quite significant, by the way? I was thinking about this this afternoon. I haven't got it written down. Just thinking about it. Number 70. 70 souls of Israel went into Egypt. 70. And when they came out of Egypt, they were in their millions, 12 tribes worth. Seventy souls go in, and when they come out, they stop at a place called Elam, which had 12 wells of water, like the showbread, the 12 bread, 12 wells of water, and 70 palm trees, like the 70 souls that went in. After 400 plus years of servitude and slavery, I think of how Judah here, this nation that we're speaking of now, goes into Babylon for 70 years because after this, after Isaiah, after these prophets, what happens? Their sin comes to them and they're removed into Babylon for 70 years. And then we're told of the 70 weeks of years. We'll not get into it tonight, but the 70 weeks of years of Daniel 9 is probably the most argued over and debated chapters in the whole of Holy Writ. 70 weeks of years from the releasing of the house of Judah and the Jews leave then to go to build the walls and the temple until I believe it was fulfilled in the coming of Christ. The Lord Jesus himself sends forth 70 disciples to cast out demons, to preach the, to, the gospel and to heal the sick. 70, 70, 70. I wonder significant because it's a 70th jubilee. Notice this. Thomas Watson said this. Wicked men seem to bear great reverence to the saints departed. They canonize dead saints but persecute the living. They canonize dead saints, but they persecute the living. 
It's a wee bit personal, but when Pastor McConnell was dying, I was sitting with him. And he, all, he had Alexander White. He always he had the, some of the really old books. One of them was Alexander White. And he would have read a lot of Spurgeon. And, and I said to him, you know, we called him Bishop. I says, you know, Bishop, see those books you're reading? And those men that are, you're reading like Spurgeon, then you have Alexander White here. And we went through some. And even into the Pentecostal side, we, 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 we reverence and respect the ministry of George Jeffries and so on. I says, I believe in years should Christ tarry your ministry, many will be reading about it. He was very weak at the time and more just smiled and just nodded because he was very tired and weak. And yet we find that we criticize men who are working for Christ now. And they're no good. Little is done, but yet we would read someone like W.P. Nicholson from 50, 60 years ago, and we can appreciate their work and so on and so on. Brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is this. Uzziah was a good king, but he wasn't perfect. But Isaiah looked at him and put his faith in him. And God took him away. And Isaiah for a second seemed to look as though and feel as though he was a boat adrift on the sea. Without a rudder, without a paddle, what will I do? And it said that Isaiah was concerned about his future, about the temple and about the worship there. And this would be due to the past history of Israel. Isaiah was to find out, Isaiah was to find out his protection wasn't in an earthly king, but was in the heavenly king, the Lord himself. He says, for mine eyes have seen the Lord. See the word Lord there if you're taking a note down, right? Adonai, that's the word for Lord there, Adonai. Sometimes it's uh, it's written there instead of Yahweh or Jehovah. For mine eyes have seen Adonai. Adonai is a strange word because it's still like Jehovah means sovereign. It means master and owner, controller of things. And now all of a sudden Isaiah says, for mine eyes have seen Adonai on his throne, the master, the sovereign, the controller of all these things, who lays out the showbread, as it were, and looks upon it, who brings our life like the showbread together. In fact, the word Adonai comes from a root word, Adon. And so when we say Adonai, it's emphatic. Here's the way Isaiah is saying this word, Adonai for Lord. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also Adonai. I saw Adonai. That's the way he would read it. Sitting on his throne. See, there's an excitement about him now because Uzziah's been removed and now his eyes have a clear view of the heavenly king. Who is this Adonai and who is this Lord? Adonai, by the way, also can, uh, uh, the, the word 
for judges in the middle of his name. It's usually din, D-I-N, but there's no vowels in the original text. So there's no A-E-I-O-U, but yet we would fill it in with din, don, don, and dan, and so on. Like dan, the tribe of dan means judge. It's just fitted in for our language. And Adonai means the judge, but it gives the idea here where he judges. Yes, a judge is usually harsh, but here it is, a judge taking pity on his people. Uzziah has died. What are we going to do? And the judge, the supreme governor of all the universe, he looks upon them and takes pity on his people. I'm glad of the pity of the Lord. I'm glad that he took pity on me when I was in my misery. They took pity on me and saved me from a life of destruction. Notice the presence of the Lord on his throne. Verse five, notice what the prophet says. Woe is me. Forget about the other priests. Forget about the other Levites servicing around the temple. Forget about everyone else, he says. Woe is me. I have seen him. Mine eyes have seen him. Woe is me. For I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Look, Isaiah, how do you know that your lips are unclean? You're a priest. You're you're setting things in order. You're you're so sinful. Israel of the Levitical line. And so what makes you think you're so bad and so sinful and undone? Simple. For mine eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. You see, when we get a clear view of the holiness of God, see if we get a, a better view, a greater view of the holiness of God. Brothers and sisters, we should be able to be like Isaiah and say, Lord, I am unworthy. Woe is me, for I am undone. Isaiah sees himself unclean and undone because he sees the Lord of hosts. See the words Lord of hosts? The word Lord there is Yahweh. Y-H-W-H or Yahweh is the pronunciation, I hope. My pronunciation isn't probably great at it, but Yahweh and it means Yahweh or Jehovah God. I'm undone in the presence of Jehovah. I'm undone, I'm unclean. But take note of this. For mine eyes have seen the king on his throne, the king, the Lord Yahweh of hosts. Now the, the Lord of hosts is his God's military title, if I can put it that way. And the term Lord of hosts, now that exact term, Lord of hosts, is some 235 times in the King James Bible. 235 times. And I have to say that it is Isaiah uses this term 53 times. So something's happened to this man. Now I might say, O Lord of hosts and the Lord of hosts, or the Lord God of hosts, that's not counting them. That's just the exact title, Lord of hosts. It means the Lord, some say, of the heavenly armies or the Lord of angel armies, some people might put it. But here's what I love about this. 
in Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 and 41, I'll just, I'll just tell you what it says, and maybe you can write it down and read it when you go home. But the end of, or in verse 41, Israel coming out of Egypt by the power of God and under the blood of the Lamb. Listen to this, what it says. It says about Israel, it says the hosts of the Lord came out. God's people were called the hosts of the Lord. And he is the Lord of hosts. So in heaven, he is the God of armies of heaven. And we are the hosts of the Lord on the earth. Take note, Christ is the king, the Lord of hosts in heaven. And you and I, according to Revelation 1 and verse 5, and Revelation 5 and verse 10 are made kings and priests unto our God, the Lord of hosts in heaven, and we are the host of the Lord on the earth. When we were to go to Revelation 19, we have a king on his horse, and that king is coming with the hosts of heaven. To where? To meet up with the hosts of the Lord on earth. to meet with the hosts of the Lord on earth. So Isaiah says, Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the Adonai, Yahweh, the King, the Lord on his throne. Isaiah 53, please, just briefly, we'll turn and look at this. Isaiah 53. Notice what Isaiah says. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Again, the Lord, the arm of the Lord is Yahweh. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's like someone rolling up their sleeves and getting their arm in, putting their full weight in. Notice this. Will you turn with me to John chapter 12, please? I know I have you flicking tonight, and it's nearly more like a Bible study to you rather than a, a preach. But John chapter 12. And let your eye run down, please, to verse 37. But though he had done so many miracles, this is the Lord Jesus now. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believe not. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who is going to be reve- this be revealed to? Uh, Isaiah has the revelation after Uzziah is gone. And now he's writing, to who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And now John, watching Jesus do the miracles, says in verse 38, that the saying of Isaiah, that is Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah, or Isaiah, when he saw his glory. Now note that, underline it, please. Verse 41. These things said Isaiah, or Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spake of him. Whose glory did Isaiah see? Well, he's looking at the Lord Jesus Christ doing the miracles. He's saying, this is the one that Isaiah was speaking about, this one here. And Isaiah saw his glory, Jesus' glory, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and spake of him. 
This man, Jesus of Nazareth, flesh and blood and bone like you and I. And Isaiah has spoken of him. Isaiah has seen his glory. And now John is watching him in action. He's, he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's cleansing the, the, the lepers and, and casting out demons. The dumb are speaking and the, the blind are seeing and they hear or hear, uh, the, the dull of hearing are hearing again. The lame are walking. He's feeding the multitudes. He's speaking and teaching the kingdom. A man. And here he says, this is the one Isaiah spoke of. He saw his glory. Where did you see his glory, Isaiah? Isaiah would say, well, in chapter 6, you've been on it already. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Sitting on his throne. That's who Jesus is. The one, the Lord on the throne. The Lord who is surrounded by the cherubim and the seraphim with the six wings. With twain, they cover their face. With twain, they cover their feet. Or with two, that is. And with twain, they did fly. And one cries unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this one sitting on the throne, Adonai, King Jehovah, Yahweh, comes as a baby in flesh. Steps off it as it were, as it were, off the throne to do this work and to be the son who would hang on a cross. To be the son that would hang on a cross. And hence Isaiah would write, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With the stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath fled in him. The iniquity of us all. Yes, the Lord on the throne is the son on the cross. I'm going to close soon. Thank you for your attention this evening. You know, in Matthew 27, in our reading, in Mark 15, in Luke 23, and in John chapter 19, you'll find the Son on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called Jesus of Nazareth, as they write, Pilate writes upon it, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Now, Jesus never once claimed to be the king of the Jews. Never once. That's why they were angry. They were annoyed and embittered at Pilate. That is the Pharisees and the leaders saying, he said he was king of the Jews, but he's not the king of the Jews. Take it down, and Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. Take note of this. It was written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, and it was written in Latin. Old John Trapp, I loved what he said about this. He says, in Hebrew for the Jews, 
who gloried in the law, written in Greek for the Grecians who gloried in wisdom, written in Latin for the Romans who gloried in dominion and in power. This is who Isaiah saw and spake of. Think about this. He was wounded, Isaiah 53. Draw close to me. Draw near to me, Wallace. I want to run into this now before we close. Isaiah is writing. He was wounded. Did he see the cross? I don't know. But one thing he knows is this one who was on the throne, this one who says is Adonai, and then who is Jehovah Lord, the judge, yet the redeemer in Jehovah or Yahweh. He's Adonai judge, taking mercy. But for those who do not receive the mercy, he becomes their judge and their punisher. He was wounded for our transgressions. On the throne of the seraphims, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Do you know what it said? We're not sure how Isaiah died, but it is said that Isaiah was sawn in half. Some say he was actually sawn in half with a wooden saw, just to make it more painful. Some say he was put into a sack, placed into a tree, and sawn in half in the tree, tree and all. And as they sawed the tree, the blood would come out. You know what Isaiah's name? The Jehovah is salvation. Picture of the blood of Christ's cross. But nevertheless, however he died, whatever way he, he died, Isaiah was killed, murdered by another king of Judah. Imagine that, eh? He was murdered by another king of Judah. You know who he was murdered by? Who he was killed by? Manasseh. Manasseh was the son of a good king, Hezekiah. Hezekiah restored. He was a reformer king in Judah. He built up where the temple had been desecrated, put on the doors and their hinges again, and he started to worship, and he started to clear out the land of all the false worship. And Hezekiah, we all know the story, who he took sick, and the Scripture says he had a sore boil. Some think it was a, some sort of cancerous or malignant infected tumor. And Isaiah, the same one who sees the Lord, who's the priest who is now a prophet, the Lord says, go into Hezekiah and tell him to set his house in order for he's going to die and not live. So in goes Isaiah, into Hezekiah the king. Remember, Uzziah's gone, and this is a couple down the line now, and Hezekiah, the good king, the reformer king, he walks into him and he says, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And he turns heel and he walks out again, walking across the courts of the palace. And Hezekiah turns his face like this to the wall, land on his bed, cries unto the Lord for mercy. 
Have I not done this and done that and opened the temple again and all of these things bargained with God and God in his grace and his goodness gives Hezekiah 15 years. He adds 15 years to his life. Here's what happens. Isaiah's out in the courtyard and the Lord says, stop Isaiah, go back in again. Go to the servants of Hezekiah. Tell them to make a poultice and go and put it on that sore boil and tell Hezekiah that I will give him 15 years and heal him of his sickness. So when he goes and he does it, why did the Lord not just speak to Hezekiah and say, you're healed, that's it? Why did the Lord just not speak straight to Hezekiah and say, Hezekiah, you're my child and you're healed, that's it? Could have done it. Why did the Lord not go to Isaiah and say, go in and lay hands on him and I will heal him. And Isaiah walk in and lay hands on Hezekiah and he say, you're healed, that's it. And he would have been healed. Why did the Lord not do that? Why did the Lord say, go make a poultice? Tell his servants to make this poultice and you take it then and stick the poultice on him. Could it be that the Lord has given us an example here that Not all medicine is bad. Sometimes the Lord uses men and women to help us when it's not a miraculous healing. And I believe in miracles, don't get me wrong. The Lord uses men and women, but it's the Lord that has the yea and the amen. He is the author and the finisher of our faith and of life and death. Hezekiah lives 15 years, and guess who his son was? Manasseh. Manasseh. But by this time, Isaiah had seen the king. Isaiah had seen the Lord of hosts. Isaiah had seen the one who is wounded for our transgressions. Isaiah had seen the one who was bruised for our iniquities. And by the time Manasseh comes, if, if Hezekiah had a went at that place point in time, had not turned his heart to the Lord to cry on the, on the Lord for more mercy, and God had not given him the 15 years, Manasseh would not have been born. And I wonder what would have happened to Isaiah's life. Only God knows. But you see, he sets all things out according to the counsel of his own will. By the time Manasseh comes, he was cruel and he was wicked. Beyond measure, this man was. By the time he comes, what happens? He kills Isaiah, but Isaiah is secured in his faith. He sees the Lord on on the throne. He sees the Son on the cross. And he knows that he's coming again in glory. See, brothers and sisters, that's why Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, or, and it means, hell really means the gates of the regions of the dead. That's why many martyrs were able to go to the dead, go to the stake. They were able to go to crosses even. They were able to be uh, turned upside down and executed. They were sawn asunder and cut in half. Read about Hebrews chapter 11, how they were 
executed. They were able to do it because they had seen the one on the throne who was the son on. That's why. And they knew he's a king coming again on a horse. That's why the church is still alive. Let me finish with this. Thank you for your attention. Revelation 19. Revelation 19, please. Listen to what John says. The vision he had from Patmos. Verse 11. And I saw heaven opened. There's something rings similar here with Isaiah's vision. The heavens had to open, as it were, for a vision to happen to Isaiah. I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Here, John says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. Notice, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. This is Adonai. This is the Lord on his throne in Isaiah 6. This is Adonai, Jehovah, Yahweh, God in flesh, the Son who is on the cross. This is him now coming, the King of heaven, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's King of kings because we are kings and priests unto God in Christ, but he's King to judge and make war of kings. When he comes back, every knee will bow to him and every tongue will confess. Take note. In verse 12, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And then his vestures dipped in blood. That's not his own blood, by the way. And his name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. The Word of God. I would read, Halogos Theos. Halogos Theos. In the beginning was Halogos Theos. And the Logos was with Theos. And the Logos was the Theos. That's where you get theology from. It means Almighty God. And here he comes to judge as Adon, Adonai. To judge and to make war. And notice verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. Here is the Lord of hosts with the armies of heaven. Followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. This is the word of God, by the way, spoken word. That with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. King of kings. Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad I belong to Christ. Are you saved? Are you Christ? May the Lord bless his word to us all this evening. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Team, would you come up, please?